Summer drinking season is long, which is why non-alcoholic beer is a great addition to your cooler. But what makes you reach for one NA beer over another? Is it great flavor, variety of styles? Maybe you just like a cool can. Well, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, guess what? It's athletic. From IPAs, extra dark, sours, hazies, and more, to summertime favorites like light brews and goldens, it's the number one NA beer brand in the U.S. It's athletic. Ask for it. Fit for all times. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Think about it. You're hanging out at the beach. Maybe you're going to a music festival, ball game, camping, late night, early morning. Wherever the summer takes you, the best part is zero hangover the next day. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. The Athletic. So then, the season is up and running, and we're back with another Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. How are you doing today? Are you, uh, you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's... <laughs> An- another another week of, of wait and see. Let's go. Well, uh, let's let's do another hour of wait and see, then, shall we, in that case? Uh, the return of the football season is the perfect time to subscribe to The Athletic. Join now to read all of Sam's stuff on City, including a recent piece on how Gabriel Jesus can be regarded as a winger. And if you sign up now, you can get 33% off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, let's start, Sam, in uh, the single most obvious place to start, I guess, uh, for, for City and News at the moment. And I'm sorry that you'll hate me for this question, but uh, I kind of have to do it. Um, Kane updates. What's what's the latest? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's hard doing it on the pod. Um, it's it's the constant. Yeah, <laughs> the constant barrage on Twitter. I've, I've, I've noticed but... any time you retweet me for anything, yeah, like, like thing, even, yeah. I, I just get replies of Kane updates, and I'm like, like guys, come on. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I'm not going to say what I want to say on that, um, <laughs> but um, it's. It's going to be a late one now. Um, obviously, last week there was we had these two timelines of events, and within so there was either the it's happening this week, or it's the nothing's happening at all kind of scenarios. Levy's not picking up the phone, not engaging, kind of thing. Um, there's elements of the, the the confidence from City side that was definitely true in terms of you know City being ready um, for an announcement that week. Um, and all that kind of stuff and confidence around the squad and I'm, I've got to be honest yesterday on, on Monday there was there was a bit of that again so it seems like there's another plan in place for if they're if they even if if they're in a position to unveil him this week they're they're ready to to know how to do that and there's still confidence around the squad that he's going to come so I can suppose I suppose there's I can offer you that at least um, but obviously there was the little elements and there was. The mad thing was there was three or four 
um, different sources all in the middle of the week before the Spurs game all saying, yeah, there's been some sort of agreement, there's been some sort of breakthrough. And obviously that's not been the case unless simply that breakthrough, that kind of knowledge of what Levy wants is still in place and he's just delaying. But obviously we're in the situation we're in now where nothing's really happening. Um, like I say, I always felt that if it didn't happen last week, then the alternative version of events, the ones from the people around Spurs, um, would be more likely to be true. And that is that you know, Levy's just not engaging. And I spoke to somebody at the end of last week um, who's worked with Daniel Levy on you know Kane and Modric and stuff and been around him and knows how he works. He says he won't he won't pick up the phone. Like he do, he doesn't pick up the phone at this point. He, he just makes it difficult. He's a pain in the ass. And he'll do it late in the window. You know he'll pick up the phone late in the window if he wants to do a deal. Now, obviously, the thing that's very difficult to glean from this all is still those two sides of it and the confidence at City. Where is that coming from? Where can that be coming from if it's not going to happen? But where is the insistence from the Spurs end that it's not going to happen coming from? Like, it's it's going to be one of those where it's just going to explode really quickly um, because we have been talking about scenarios yesterday. Now, can you see any scenario where City just don't bid now? Like to to bring you in and to to make the listeners think, so it's not just my voice for yeah. ten minutes. Here, like. <laughs> well, the thing that's the thing that's troubling me about this is if City know the valuation that that Spurs have, and City are, I mean, we, we we've talked in the past about how City are not keen to be seen to be spending that sort of money. Do you know what I mean? The, the number of times yeah. where they've walked away from deals because it's ten million too much, I mean, like like Maguire, for instance. They thought Maguire would, would would solve the defensive problems, but they wouldn't pay what Leicester wanted at the time. Um, then this summer comes along. They, they've dropped hundred million on Grealish, which was the release clause, and they've gone. We want him that bad. We're just gonna we'll pay the release clause. We're not going to negotiate about it. Fine, get that done. If the stories are that Kane is that that Levy wants one hundred and fifty million, one hundred and sixty million uh, are the numbers that are being thrown around. If City are just not willing to pay that, I don't see why. They would. I don't see why they would engage at this uh, at the moment. It's either Spurs want to sell him and they'll accept 120 million, 125 million, whatever they're willing to pay, or they ain't going to budge. So, I, like, I, it's. I find it a really strange negotiation this one because, and if if it's true that Levy's not picking up the phone, then I I, I get what you're saying. I don't understand where that confidence comes from that the deal will will happen because even if even if he is picking up the phone. If he's not going to budge on his valuation, then City aren't going to pay that. They're still they're still so far apart in the two camps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the the thing about this is I don't want to discuss all these hypotheticals at this point because we just don't know. Like we don't know how it's going to pan out. And I've seen a lot on Twitter, especially like when there's an article saying it's not going to happen. Everyone everyone just goes really overboard as if that's gospel, but they don't really believe all the other stuff. Um, so. I don't. I don't want to go into. Oh, it's a disgrace. They haven't managed to get Kane because, like, it's still possible. Um, if, like, I think I said this last week. If it gets to the end of the transfer window, then I'll completely agree. I'll be like, well, how could they have gone all summer under this false pre? Either under the false pretense that he was for sale. Because remember when United didn't get Sancho last summer, and everyone basically took the piss because it was like, well, Dortmund said he wasn't for sale. And United yeah. kept messing around, but he just wasn't for sale. Like, simple as that. They just wasted a load of time. And it was very funny. And United have messed it up, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you get to the end of the window and Kane has just not been for sale, as Levy was saying all summer, then 
City would have probably put too much stock in that agreement that Kane thought he had maybe, a bit like when they put too much stock in Messi thinking he could leave Barca last summer. Um, but again, we'll cross that bridge if we come to it. On the other side of it is, maybe City do... Well, I'm sure City will make the bid. Like, I can't conceive of a situation where City don't make a bid. Like, even you know, the fact yeah. that last week we did the story that Bernardo Silva doesn't want to go because, you know, Mendes is trying to help City in the sense that he, he makes things happen, doesn't he? He moves players around and City are trying to get Kane still. So he was like, okay, well, we'll try and get Bernardo to go. And Bernardo's like, no, I'm not having it. He's like, oh, well, do you want Ronaldo instead? He's like, no, we don't, we don't want Ronaldo instead. No, it's Kane. So even just based on that scenario, it's still Kane. Like, there's no way City, unless they're like, because there's been a suggestion that people at the club aren't as involved in the Kane thing as Pep is. But if, like, imagine City just, let it play out and don't really do it and go to Pep and say, oh, well, we, we try. Like, Pep will be livid. And like yeah. he has been before when they've not got their targets. But if they're like not even trying their best to get him, do you know what I mean? It, it's just a kind of, it would be a kind of a betrayal of Guardiola and just not how City work, you know, not how City value their manager. So basically, what I'm saying is, I can't conceive of, and you know what I'm like, you know, I will think of, I will be devil's advocate all day and I will go, well, they could do this. Well, they could do that. <laughs> Even if I don't agree with it in any way, I'll be like, oh, they could do that. They could do that. Because mad things happen in football. But I genuinely can't foresee any way that City do not make a bid. Do you know what I mean? And I don't want people to go, oh, well, somebody says they're going to make a bid. It's like, it's just it's just common sense. It has the to way, be. Yeah, the, the way I see it in, in kind of that relationship between Guardiola and the board, it might, it might so be that Guardiola is much more set on getting gained than anybody else at that football club. And I mean, you've said in the past that that Guardiola's position is I want Kane or nobody. That's the sort of that that's mm. that that's the deal breaker. Is you know, it's, I'm, I'm that's how much I want Kane right now. Um, and I kind of wonder if if the I do wonder if if City as a club are, are, are more than happy that if, if for the nobody option to happen, except that royally pisses off Guardiola. And it's yeah. like, and again, it, this is a man who's now in the penultimate year of his contract. So City yeah. will again be thinking, can we get this guy to stay longer? Yeah, so I don't, I, I, I like like you. I don't see how it doesn't play out with at least City going all guns blazing to try and sign Kane, whether or not he's for sale or not, uh, wh- whether yeah. or not Levy's going to pick up the phone and say yes, okay, actually that valuation that does it for me. Let's sort a deal out. And even if that's going to happen, are we talking kind of like thirtieth of August, thirty first of August, right up at the end of the window? Well, the thing is, like you've got the, you've got a weekend situation coming into it, haven't you? Because the window closes on what Tuesday. Um, and if you leave until like Monday, that is very late. But I was kind—I of, was working out earlier in the summer, and I didn't think City would do it. But you know, when they had a lot of leverage, more so leverage, with Alexis Sanchez, um, and so they—they they were like, "Well, we're just going to wait till the end because they realise they need to sell, and then we'll get him." And obviously, it didn't work. But they were happy to wait until the last day, and I didn't think they'd do that with Kane. But quite possibly they will. But also, like I say, if Levy's just not picking up the phone until the last few days, then. I, I don't know massive. if it will yeah. be. I don't know if it will be. You know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or you know, Friday, Saturday. You know, that kind of thing. But like, I'm, I'm just, I'm sure. Because again, I don't want people to go. Oh, somebody says it's definitely going to be a bid. But like, every, it's the easiest story in the world to write. Man City preparing bid. You know, late bid. Blah blah blah. Spurs brace for late bid. You know, it's the easiest story in the world to write because it's just a guessing game, and that's basically what I'm telling you now, based on my info of. You know, last week meetings happened with Mendes and stuff and, you know, the message being they're still in for Kane. The fact that Guardiola wants Kane so much, the fact that, you know, that City want Guardiola so much. 
it's just it doesn't make any other sense. It doesn't make any sense then for anything else to happen, but City to make that bid. But I mean, it has been it has been the idea um, floated around that you know it's been reported recently, and we knew this all along. I think we said this before, but the only City bid on record so far is that seventy five plus twenty five slash you can have a few players from during the Euros. And there are people who think City just aren't that serious, and then, or at least they're never going to bid more than a hundred million plus some add-ons. And if that's the case, if that's the case, then they've obviously thought this agreement is worth way more than it is. Yeah, um, because it could become clear that it might, you know, it's going to take what one hundred and thirty plus one hundred and fifty, whatever. And then, if that is what it's going to go for, but City aren't ready to pay that, and to be honest. That then starts coming down to needing to move players around, doesn't it? That then yeah. it starts to make so much sense that it's like City obviously expected a couple of players to go and it's not going to happen. So you can see it dragging on late because it's like, well, City really need Bernardo to end up somewhere. And now you've seen there's reports of Chelsea going possibly for Saul at Atletico Madrid based on if Chelsea can get rid of players. And then if they get Saul on loan, then that maybe opens up a spot, although it doesn't necessarily give Atletico more funds, but it opens up a spot for Bernardo to go there. And then that could help City a bit. Like it's, well, it's, the, very, the, it's, the, it's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, and the story this week as well was that obviously they they... Not that they're actively looking for Laporte to leave, but they wouldn't stand in his way. That was the other. Um, yeah, well, no, angle. they but wouldn't. It's... But that's been the case all summer. But yeah, like he's not expecting to go. I've um, I, n- I know people who know him. He's he's just not expecting to go. Yeah, like that's it now. Like obviously he would have, he would have happily gone, and City would have sold him. But it's just not, it's just not on the agenda at the minute. They they said unless something very very strange happens, yeah. he's going to be staying at City. Now this is a this is a side to the Kane transfer that I am very wary of dipping my toe into, Sam. But um, I do want to I, I do want to ask this question because the thought struck me while you were speaking that, um, as we said earlier, City have been reluctant to be seen to be spending a lot of money on on one particular mm-hmm. player. And if this summer comes along and they do get Kane over the line, and we're talking 130, 140, 150 million, whatever, it's not going to be 100 million. It's not going to be the, the the Grealish level. It's going to be higher than that. Uh, yeah, they'll have dropped. Yeah. They'll, they'll have dropped 200 plus million on two players this summer, and it it almost feels like. There should be an element to this that says, well, listen, you're the Premier League champions. Okay, you might have, like, the stories going around in terms of balancing the books at the end of last season, they, they earned more than this in prize money last season. So I, like, I'm, I really don't care about trying to sit here with a spreadsheet and working out what they can and can't afford. I, I'm not into that at all. But there should be an element of the squad was pretty good last year. Why... Why is it in this situation, one, where you haven't got a striker, because as we're going to talk about a bit later on, the, the Jesus role has changed a little bit. Um, why are you in this position why, where you haven't got a striker and you've not got one lined up knowing that Aguero is leaving? But also, isn't there an element of, shouldn't the answers be able to come from this squad that is that you've spent so long and so much money assembling? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you need to go out and drop this this sort of money on Kane to 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 get the to 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 re to to reclaim the title again this season? Do you need to be able to take it to the next level by having to spend this money again? Well, I think the thing is the problem. The problem there is like people kind of well, I, I guess you, you can confuse money spent with. Well, with all kinds of things, but basically, it doesn't fix everything, does it? And yeah. like you could have the best squad in the world, but if they get complacent. Which, which everyone accepts as a natural thing, 
then you need um, you need new faces. You need fresh blood in the squad to keep everyone on their toes, which is, you know, again, I'm always reluctant to use Ferguson's United as a benchmark on this podcast, but everyone knows that that's how Ferguson was able to keep his team at the top for so long. Because he kept refreshing things, and like other man, and like the, all the other examples of managers who never did that, or all the other managers who never retained a title, which is basically all of them. And how many managers have done it? Um, Ferguson, Mourinho, and Guardiola. I don't because I don't yeah. think Ancelotti did, and obviously Mourinho did it, and then it just went spectacularly wrong in the third season. So you need to keep things fresh, and then it's like, is there an argument that so much money spent means that players are immune from complacency or whatever? I don't think so. Um, I mean, you could maybe argue that with so many people vying for places in the squad that it keeps things fresh. And I think we've we've seen a bit of that already with Laporte coming in and getting a chance. And we'll, we'll talk about this. And, you know, he's now going to play in the next game against Arsenal because he, he took his chance. And I guess Jesus will play in the next game against Arsenal as well, presumably from the right. Um, and there, there is that argument. But also at the end of the day, if it gets to the end of the season or the middle of the season and those players or different players aren't playing and they're not happy... That's just, you know, human nature. And that was the issue last season, which is why City went into the summer wanting to get rid of a few players to keep things fresh and get rid of the, for want of a better phrase, the rotten apples. Do you know what I mean? Just to keep things fresh. So it's like, yeah, on the one hand, they've spent a lot of money and they've got a great squad. Don't get me wrong. In in terms of on paper and the quality of the squad, they should still be favourites to win it. But there's other things like money can't buy really the other argument is does it have to be 150 million on Kane no of course it doesn't but for whatever reason they've decided this summer that it is going to be that way and did it have to be 100 million on Grealish no it didn't you know if that's the kind of money they've got um I know you know in an alternative reality which is what maybe some people would have preferred there would have been a left back there would have been a defensive midfielder I still I still like the Grealish signing you know there was a lot of people after the Spurs game going oh I don't really need him but um I think he's going to bring a lot in terms of the cutting edge and creativity that City needs. So I'm fine with that. But yeah, I, I could probably accept the alternative argument that if you've got 200, 250 million to spend, they, they could have done it in a different way. But in terms yeah. of bringing people in, having spent so much money already, I would say always, because we've seen what happens if it doesn't happen, if, if that doesn't happen. And just things get complacent, players get annoyed, and things can unravel really quickly. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's talk about the Norwich game, Sam, because uh, I want yeah, to touch yeah. on uh, being back in the stadium for the first time. It was my first game in uh, in 18 months. I've not been to, to any of the games that have had crowds at, the, at this point. So uh, it's my first game since, I think, was it West Ham? The um, the final yes. game before the before the pandemic uh, forced everybody to stay at home. Um, long story short, I was pretty nervous about going back. I'm not going to lie; I'd, uh, I'd, I'd covered it up quite well, I thought, on Twitter. But I was, uh, but I was quite uh, quite nervous about being back in inside a big crowd. Um, but ultimately, I thought the atmosphere was really, really nice. There was there was lots of people around us that were. It, it felt very respectful of mm. what we what we'd all been through for the last eighteen months or so. And there was all this kind of uh, oh, how have you been? How you know have you kept well? Sort of thing, rather yeah. than uh, it being this vociferous football crowd that I was. I was expecting it to be really uh, kind of. Um, I, I can't when, when I say like fan parks do you know what I mean I was expecting it to be a little bit a little bit too close and a little bit too personal for me mm. um but actually it, it just felt really safe and it felt really that that, that was that, that was really kind of a, a needless worry it was it, it felt to be it felt really nice to be back in my seat with the people that I've not seen since the West Ham game you know catching up with them all and all that sort of stuff um and the other side of it as well was uh, the one thing I was really pleased to hear when all the, when all the players took the knee, the stadium applauded, and it was it was yeah. a loud kind of applause over that. And because and I'm, no, I'm, normally uh, it's a, it's people start booing and then everyone else drowns out. Yeah, but it wasn't which that. I thought which it was at Spurs last week. Not this like a point scoring thing, but that's just every experience I've had in the ground so far, or even seen on TV. It's booing first and then applause. But yeah, I'd probably say the most impressive thing about the atmosphere. To suit my left liberal agenda, anyway, was <laughs> was that I was I was very surprised by that. I, I thought there'd be more booze as well because there were at the end of the last season. With the yeah. Anderson game. Um, but yeah, there didn't seem to be any, and yeah, that was good. That and was it was good. really, it was really nice. And then the final thing I want to say is that there was a real nice touch from Laporte at the end of the game, uh, which I just happened to clock it on the big screen where um, he, he was whistling and he, he stuck his fingers in his mouth and was whistling. And I was like, "What's whose who's attention is he trying to get here?" So I watched it, and then I watched him kind of signal, "Oh, come, come back, come back, come back. We need to, we need to applaud the fans because they're all back in, and it's the first time sort of thing." And it was really nice because then the players came out. And, and I mean, that's was, nice. Uh, that is nice. But fuck me, like, do they even mind it? I know, no, I know, I know, but uh, I, mean, I, tweet- I mean, I I know people might accuse me of being negative there, but do you remember when everyone went to Car? Well, a couple of thousand fans was it went to Kharkiv a couple of years ago, and the players didn't um, acknowledge them afterwards, and they were everyone was pissed off, like pissed off royally, and the fa- I think the fans um, got sent letters from the club or from I seem to remember Fernandinho being involved or something like apologising. So I know how much that means to fans, and yeah, it's it's obviously it's very good that. Um, that Laporte was the one who did it. And slightly surprising, I may say, as well. Um, but obviously he enjoyed the moment, having had a good game and the fans knowing his name for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if if they needed to be reminded to go and say thanks to the fans, then bloody hell. But yeah. okay. Uh, and then we, and we all got in all right as well. The tickets, the ticket system that we were all worried about uh, failing yeah. seemed, to, uh, seemed to actually work quite well. So um, I, I wanted to... Uh, I mean, we... we 
spoke a little bit about um, about the the reaction to uh, the implementation of mobile ticketing. Um, it seemed to work quite. It seemed to work fine for me. The customer service and the build up to the game not ideal, but um, but well, it was it, shocking. But it was yeah. shocking, wasn't it? By all accounts. Yeah, but uh, the the post match reaction seems to be that everyone or a lot of people got in okay. So um so that's good. So it was uh, yeah, it was just nice to be back Sam. Nice to you you've been going to a lot of games in all this time in empty stadiums. What's it like for you to 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 just be to have a full full ground again? So I, th- I guess my first one I know it was Wembley really. Um although with Wembley there's a bit more distance between the press box and the fans. Um the first one was Spurs last week and there was literally in terms of the opposite of distance we were on like the front row of the press box and there was a row of fans right in front. And that was really good. That felt good among it. Um, it was obviously, it was a good atmosphere at Spurs. And yeah, that was good. And it was good to be back and see a Folletti ad. But I'm just I'm just one of those people. It, it just feels like it never been any different. Yeah. So people were asking me what it was like to go to games behind closed doors. And I was like, well, it's weird. But everything's fucking weird. You know, the last 18 months have been awful. Like you'd never have think, you never thought you'd, you'd have to shop on your own in a mask, but you do. And now it's just normal now. We do it and you have to do it. So going to games behind closed doors became a thing and it was crap you know, compared to how it is, but it just became normal and I got used to it. Um, but it was like the first time I went back into a pub probably last summer and I thought it would be weird, but it wasn't because it's, it's just all right. The, yeah. Cause these are the things you've been doing for all your life. So you're far more used to that than the alternative. And although things have been a bit weird, you just go straight back to it and people are like, Oh, will people be hugging now? Will people shake hands again after, after lockdowns and all, but yeah, you just go back to your behaviours. You go back to what you liked doing before, and yeah, being back in the football ground was really good. Obviously, it was great with, lo- with loads of fans, but in terms of like, how did it feel? It was just like, oh yeah, okay. Like it, it just felt like it had never been away, really, which is yeah. which is great. Yeah, and I know I know you're delighted to have the ironic cheers back as well. So uh, so there we go. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, unfortunately <laughs> there, there wasn't any of them at the Etihad, was there? Cause, no, no, no. I mean, because Norwich didn't do anything, and, and Norwich fans were in no position to be doing them either, because everything yeah. that he did just seemed to work. Yeah, just wait till wait till next Saturday, mate. There we go. Um, let's mm. talk. Let's talk a bit about the game and the performance, uh, because I want to I want to read back a tweet of yours from uh, during the game. Uh, where you said, all things considered, opposition, it's his first game of the season, performance. I'm saying Walker's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and low-key, yeah. it made me think, actually, aside from about, what, well, 10 minutes in, time, in, his, in, in the grand scheme of his City career, um, Walker's been pretty good for City. He's been, he's, he's he's been, been consistently excellent. a high-performing player, yeah. And what's this now, fifth season? Yeah, he signed yeah. seventeen eighteen, didn't he? Beginning of seventeen eighteen, yeah. and I mean, getting Walker out of Spurs wasn't an easy, uh, <laughs> easy transfer. No, but easier than this one. Yeah, um, yeah no, he's, he's been great. And like I said, all things considered, because I because I had to factor in the fact that it's his first game back, and which you know it's not easy to come in and perform like that. Um, but also Norwich was shit, so it's like I had to balance the two things. Um, but yeah. Like I said, all things considered, even even despite that or in favour of that, yeah, just thought he, just thought he was really good, really yeah. good, in, impressive first game back. And yeah, like you say, I mean, I wasn't surprised because he has been great all, all along. But it just, he just, there was just something about the performance, or it must have been something in that moment that he did something and just made me think, yeah, this guy looks like he's never been away. Yeah, there was a number of passes, and it's it's weird because you don't associate this sort of vision with a with a fullback. But there was a number of passes where he spotted the through ball, like in kind of like De Bruyne style, not not to De Bruyne levels, but De Bruyne mm. style spotting. Well, if I knock it into this area here, and it was usually Jesus, Jesus can run onto it and get the ball in behind, and it was it, it was that ball inside the fullback for Jesus to run onto. Um, 
And it's the sort of it's the sort of ball that I was kind of thinking. I'm not sure Cancelo would see that. Does that make sense? Uh, well, I don't know because Cancelo at his best, and it's probably a Cancelo conversation to be had. Because when when was the last time he was at his best? He hasn't he hasn't played that role, has he? That role that kind of took everybody by storm in the new year when City were on that winning run, and he was he was right back. He was holding midfielder. He was attacking midfielder as well. He's not done that, and when he doesn't do that, I don't think he's as good. I don't think he's a left back. I'm not having that, and I never have. Um, although he had good numbers, I just don't like it. Uh, I, like we saw at Spurs last week, whenever Grealish found him in space, it was even. No, it wasn't last week. It was. No, it was this weekend. Yeah. It was this weekend. It, whenever Grealish found him in space, he just had to cut back inside, and it's like it's too slow. I don't like it. It's not. It's not. It's not right. The the right foot as a left back. I don't like it, especially well, in the City team anyway. Um, and then on, as a right back, as like a normal right back, when he's not going all the way through the positions, it's just not the same. Um, but would he have spotted that pass? I think so. It was quite, it was a very obvious pass to play, and I wonder if. I wonder if it was a, a specific move that it worked on, knowing how it would happen, or they're just so intelligent now in terms of knowing the type of opposition they're facing and what and how to, to do react to situations. Man marking. Yeah, exactly. So basically, and, and it's in the article I wrote on on Jesus. Two of the goals were exactly the same, and it was Bernardo being man marked by one of the Norwich midfielders, and they changed him at half time, and he did it to both of them. And Bernardo just he was starting off in the front line, but he dropped deep towards the centre-back who had the ball. Um, and it, it was Rodri in the second case and Diaz in the first. Um, and obviously he was then followed. So that then, as you can imagine, opened that space up in the la- in the, the forward line between Norwich's centre-back and the left-back. And then the left-back was caught one-on-one. Walker ended up getting the ball from first Diaz and then Rodri. And as soon as he opened his body up, which again is one of those little cues that footballers get, and they will definitely get in this City Guardiola team. As soon as he opened his body up, Jesus went right, see ya, darted in behind the left back. It was like, what's going on? And then the the beauty of the pass from Walker is he spotted it and he had the execution to put it off twice. Because, like you say, I think Cancelo would have done it, to be fair. But it goes to show the kind of high technical level of City's players that they can pull that off. And like you say, it was perfectly weighted and it. Both times, Jesus only had to put one touch. He didn't have to control it. It was just put it into the box. And it was the the own goal for the first one. Was it the own goal for the first one? Or I got confused. Yeah, yeah J- Jesus played that cross and he played across. Uh, and then the for Grealish the second one, it was Sterling. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, no, it wasn't the own goal. It was the Grealish one. The Grealish one, one. and then Sterling. Yeah. Sterling one. And that, yeah, and that was it. So it was it was perfectly worked by this team operating on such a high level, even you know without being at their top, top level because of the pre-season and whatever, um, just going to show that the players just know how to find these solutions. And again, it was Norwich. You know, they'd have to, you know, it wouldn't be that easy, I don't think, to do it against Liverpool at home or Chelsea at home against or United at home. But the solutions they needed to find on the day, they found them. And in, in those two goals in particular, it just worked perfectly. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirecTV.com.
Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to talk a little bit about Gabriel Jesus because if if he was going to be the centre-forward, as we said earlier, he'd have done it last season because Aguero was barely there last season and, and, and Jesus yeah. couldn't take that role. So is this where he fits in now? Is he, is he a wide player? Is he... We've always seen him coming from the left. I can't, off the top of my head, remember a time where we've seen him come from the right, as we did um, against Norwich, especially from the start as well. Um, so is is this where he fits in now? Um, yeah, I think so. Whether it's from the right or the left. Well, definitely, actually, because the way Guardiola was speaking was just like it's a matter of fact now. And the fact that... So some of the stuff he said about Heyman Torres and their respective abilities could have been interpreted as quite harsh on Jesus, really. especially Or at least just that, I don't know, something's changed in him. Because remember, Guardiola always used to say he's got that smell of goals. And we, You know, when he first came over and he was getting in all the tap-ins at the back post and Jesus was scoring loads of goals, it was always, oh, he's got that sense of smell. He, he can score loads of goals for City. But now it's, he goes, oh, Torres is better in that sense. And But in terms of the type of player they are, you know, Jesus is used more as a false nine at times anyway. And even last season, he was used more as a false nine when he did play, dropping off very deep. But Guardiola was just saying what they want from a striker, which is obviously why they're getting Kane. Although he can do both. Um, somebody to make the move towards the box, to stay in the box and make the right runs. And Guardiola was saying that Torres is better at that than Jesus. Um, but the interesting thing is, that's not always the fact. You know what you were saying then about if Jesus was going to be the striker, he'd have done it last season. So Guardiola was saying, you know, Jesus likes to drop a bit more. He likes to link up more, but he doesn't want that at the moment. And Torres is better at that. But he did want it last season because he always played a false nine. And around Christmas, Jesus was playing the false nine. But it then became a fact that it was De Bruyne who was playing it or it was, you know, Bernardo who was playing it or Mares would play it sometimes or, you know, sometimes it'd be two of them. He went with others. And I think the other thing with Jesus is, and another thing why I think in a different market he might have left this summer, is it's not just the fact that, oh, you know, he, well, he's he got different characteristics and we want him to play wide. I think last season they thought, the guy's confidence is gone. He's not playing at a high level. Um, so he's not going to play in the team. So I think that was the other reason why he didn't play last year. Because it wasn't because they wanted a traditional striker. Because they didn't. They didn't use that, did, did they, last year? So Jesus, in theory, the strengths he's got in his game that Guardiola was talking about as a matter of fact would have suited what they wanted last season. But he didn't play that many games for other reasons. Um, but now, yeah, um, it's it's almost like the Laporte situation. He's got this chance on the right. He was given a chance instead of Mares, And with Guardiola saying the other, the other day after the game, if you play good, you're gonna keep you're gonna keep your place. So now it's it's that way that Stones got in the team last year, and Laporte and Jesus have got really good opportunities now to go and do that again. And the good thing about Jesus was he wasn't just making those runs in that kind of specific scenario I talked about a minute ago. He was just you know he, he looked confident when he was one on one. He was making things happen. Um, he was getting good crosses in anyway. He obviously understood the role. Like you say, I think he's played on the right for Brazil, but it's not something we've really seen at City. So 
it's a really interesting thing. And then I suppose that leads into the debate of our City better with wide wingers. And it would be very nice to see, or even last season, Guardiola always had one wide winger and one inverted. It was a kind of halfway house, wasn't it? But I'd quite like to see Jesus playing like that on the right and Foden playing like he does on the left. That that would be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the other the other side of it as well is Grealish in all of this. Uh, we haven't really talked about him this week and uh, I hadn't really kind of considered his performance and, and the Norwich game as one of the talking points because he was just good and that... that you know, you know what I mean, um, but he he sta- he's been staying a lot wider than I was expecting as well, and so I wonder if I, w- I wonder if that's a w- an element to stretch the game as well. If Jesus is wide on the right and Grealish is a bit more to the left, yeah, um, they, they they well in theory they always do like to have that width. Um, obviously, with Grealish, you're naturally going to have him cutting inside, um, but yeah. Uh, again, it's different solutions for different games, isn't it? But the weird thing was, you know, we've mentioned this a lot, but Guardiola, when we when we asked him about, you know, why has things gone so well, he talked about going back to the ABC and stuff. Um, but one of it was wide wingers. But obviously, Mara's played so well, it didn't matter in the end. And he came back in the team and he was doing that inverted winger role. But yeah, they'll just find different ways. And again, Guardiola would always prefer a, right, a right-footed centre-back and a left-footed centre-back. But Stones was playing so well. He just had to go with two right footers. So there's just different solutions for it. Yeah. And you know, there um, was a time there was a time when he played that back, you know, the back three in possession and the one on the left. It wasn't always a left footer and it was a bit awkward. But there was a time when he just needed to he just needed to go with it anyway. Um and he and he did and it worked. I think he had to do it in Dortmund, I think. And it was like, Oh, how's it gonna work? And it just worked. So yeah, there's there's a lot of different solutions. And even though it's not Maybe what he would he himself would classify ideal, or what we would maybe like to see. Nor you know, normally he finds a way. Yeah, let's uh, let's touch on Torres as well as uh, in, it, he was he was mm. nominally holding that centre forward position. Um, uh, he kind of it was almost like in the stadium it felt like oh Torres has scored the opening goal, and then the stadium announcer didn't didn't say it, and like it, he was kind of sheepishly running around. Um, like I was in and around it, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't yeah. score that. Um, what are your thoughts on him this season? Because I thought he finished last season quite well. Um, I thought he was unlucky with the situation at Brighton with um, Cancelo being sent off and him being the, the sacrificial lamb to get another defender on because I thought he would he'd done really well at Newcastle and was uh, and was looking to, to to kind of build on that from there. Um, and there's the theory also that Guardiola signings take a season to bed in, and this is now his second season. So, mm. what wh- what do you see for him this year? Yeah, well, I mean, I could do one of those things that would be clipped up and put on on Twitter and say he needs to do much better this season, and he does. Like I want to see loads more from him, just considering, you know, the potential he's got and all this kind of stuff. But I understand why it's been a slow start. Like all of those things you just said, he's young, coming into a new team, new way of playing, um, new environment during lockdown as well. wasn't That like, wasn't easy for anyone. And also then he got switched from kind of playing on the right hand side to the centre anyway. So now he's playing as a striker. Um, and again, preseason wasn't ideal. So anyone who has a bit of a slow start, I don't mind. But I want to see a lot more from him, and it might, it, you know, it could well happen once he's settled in. But I want to see so much more because he just doesn't get involved in the game at all, and that's whether he was playing on the right or playing as a striker. And obviously, City's wingers are going to be less involved generally than you know the defensive midfielders, the attacking midfielders, and stuff. And so the strikers, especially the strikers, the Guardiola wants to stay up the pitch, but he's he's even less involved than even like last season. There was I saw some graphs made of how. City players were involved in the game and Sterling when he was having a bit of a dip he was way down 
and but all the others who were playing well, you know, Foden and stuff, and the ones that were coming and getting involved, they were so much more involved than than Torres. Torres just you just don't see him in a game unless he's scoring. Um, which normally you go, oh, well, you know, he pops up with a goal, which can be useful. But we know how Guardiola's teams work, and I, and I know he's in the box, he's making those movements, and he won't be touching it outside as much. But yeah, I, whenever people ask about Torres, I'm I'm always like, I can't I can't make my mind up, and I. What I'm going to do is the coward's way out and say he's got so much quality and he's in a, a really good team that I don't, I don't, well, I don't, it's not that I don't doubt because I do doubt it a bit. But if I had to put money on it, I would say he will come good. But I've not seen enough in my own limited view of football and potential, even bearing in mind, you know, the fact he's young and it's a new country and stuff. So I appreciate it's been difficult, but I've not quite seen anything that makes me think this guy's going to be a superstar. Yeah, I mean... Um, I'm going to go with he will be because chances are that Guardiola and City are probably right. But I, I don't know. Like at the moment, I'm still a bit like... I don't know. I, I, yeah. I want to see a lot more. I know the circumstances are slightly different, but I remember I remember at the end of Rodri's first season thinking this guy never, never going to happen for him. And then he had a second fairly good season in the end. Um I thought the same with Mares. I, I saw at the end of Mares's first season. I was thinking that that Brighton game at the end of Mares's first season. I would my my reaction to him starting was why has Guardiola done this on the final day of the season? And he put in a good performance, and then that he built on that for um, for the year after. Mm. I, I I do think there is something in that second season taking a year to bed in with oh uh, absolutely hundred percent hundred percent. And so I'm I, I'm I'm not ready to, to to go in on Torres yet, but I do think no, um, no, but uh, it's yeah. it's one of those though. It's like if it gets to the end of this season or even the end of next, and it's like yeah, it wouldn't be a, like it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't make much of an impact because I'd be like, well, there was that thing where he just didn't get involved in the game, and I always wondered how that would go. But also, and this is proper sitting on the fence, but it genuinely wouldn't surprise me if if he came good either for all the reasons we've mentioned. And yeah, yeah. Settling in under Guardiola, we know it's difficult, but particularly for forwards. Yeah. And, you know, he made more of an impact in terms of goals, certainly halfway through last season when he was in the team. Then, you know, Bernardo did, Sane did, um, Mares did, and that was when he was a winger. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a weird one. I, I can't make my mind upon him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way, to be honest, but that's because I don't know as much about football as... <laughs> I don't know. A city or, 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 or even a lot of people. Yeah. Well, yeah, or even a lot of people listening to this. I'm yeah. sure a lot of people will have stronger stronger opinions than me and they may be more founded on on things than I have. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, absolute final word for today's show, Sam. I just wanted to um I, I wanted to say how uh, how excited I am at the prospect of uh watching a season's worth of uh, Ruben Diaz lofting the ball across the pitch to Jack Grealish and Jack Grealish mm. just taking it down and like like taking it down as if it's the easiest thing in the world and running at defenders because that that pattern of the Norwich game, I don't understand how Norwich continually gave Grealish the space that they did when Diaz had the ball, knowing full well that he would just swing it across the pitch and it would it would drop on Grealish's chest or foot and he'd run at him. And it was it was a joy to watch. I can't wait to see more of it, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and the good thing is the first touch is there. I can't remember if I put that in my article or not on how he'd fit in. Um, I can't remember if I put it in how his first touch was good and how it would be a bit like Myres. You know, you could switch the ball to him and he just gets it down and gets on with it. Whereas, you know, because with Sterling, that's not the case, is it? He kind mm. of, I don't know, he just kind of puts his body behind it and waits for it to bounce up and hit him in the midriff. And then go, it's just a very weird, weird way of doing it. But with Grealish, yeah, you don't have that, that problem. It's just, yeah, control it. 
and then you run at them. The only thing is, I was probably more, I was probably more impressed with Grealish's performance against Spurs than I was against Norwich. And I just think, I think when it got to the one on ones and when he did get into those situations, I wanted to see a bit more in terms of him getting past people or playing more of a killer pass. But like I say, there were times when he just found. Um, Cancelo and he had to cut inside or he found Gundogan and I don't think Gundogan's quite at his sharpest yet either so again there's more to come but yeah there was there was some there was an element of his performance the other day from Greenish where I just thought I want to see a bit more from him in the one-on-ones but like I was just saying it's early in the season so I can understand why there wasn't yeah and uh, Diaz and Laporte is your partnership for next few games yeah, I think, well, certainly the Arsenal game and if it goes well then, then it'll be afterwards as well barring injuries because like Guardiola said if you play well then you're in the team and this specific example he used was Laporte and he said he'll he'll play the next game. So I don't think you'll get rid of Diaz because Diaz just holds everything together, doesn't he? He's got all those intangible factors that that the others don't seem to have. Um, but it's one of those where now if Laporte's playing well, I don't think there's any pairing of from those three, Laporte, Stones and Diaz, that you'd be unhappy with. Yeah. I yeah, think that they're, they're all they're all top absolutely top class, world class yeah. partners. Uh- Absolutely. Uh, right, well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Why Always Us. Thank you, as ever, to Sam Lee. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week after the weekend's game with Arsenal. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now with a 33% discount. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.